Welcome to the Movies on the Brain podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brian C. Wood. With me this evening is my good friend and co-host, Chad Mitz. If you'd like to hear us talk expansively about the Academy Awards and the uh, just-released nominations and our thoughts on the awards process in general outside of, you know, a campaign to, you know, um, how does one say, uh, lobby that is apparently getting a certain individual in trouble, um, you can check out our latest podcast. But this podcast will be dedicated specifically to the 2023 Royal Rumble pay-per-view that or premium live event, rather, that was commenced on Saturday from San Antonio, Texas, a show that uh, a show that Chad thought very much about attending at one point in time, but chose not to attend, even though he is in the state of Texas. Um, so, your thoughts, sir, on the overall, um, just the overall like sense of the pay per view, your your thoughts and feelings as the show got started, because I know. I was tweeting out some things toward the end of the, you know, tw- toward the end of the week, beginning of the weekend about it, because I had, I certainly had thoughts. So, um, I guess my first thought would be that, that they opened the show with the men's rumble. Cause, um, that was definitely not what I thought would happen. Um, like a lot of the things that actually happened, like results we got, um, I'm looking at it, uh, it's everything I thought would have happened. Uh, but the seeing the men's rumble for first, I should, I, I knew something was up because I just figured that one would be last because we knew Cody was coming back. Uh, if you knew Cody was coming back, you pretty much figured, uh, he was going to win, but then putting it on first, it kind of, that alleviated me thinking there was going to be like some swerve surprise that they had for the men's rumble. It was probably going to be chalk, and the whole night ended up being chalk. Uh, and, and I guess my biggest takeaway from having seen it and knowing that the whole thing came out to be chalk is that chalk is not always bad. Sometimes knowing, being predictable, and knowing where you're going gives you the best result, and it's more the and, and it is more enjoyable for the people around you. Uh, and I think so, and and that is so you know simplicity can work best sometimes. A lot of times with wrestling. They try to get cute, and it gets things get in the way. This was not that. I, I so all my rambling is saying, you know, we got what we expected, and what we expected actually turned out to be, I would say, uh, pretty damn good. Too special. The old man would never have had the balls to put to to start the rumble. So the rumbles, the rumbles were booked in a different way than they've ever been booked before because they have a different person booking them. And I don't right. know if anybody caught on to it, but. You had one and two last almost the entire time in both matches. And one and two were very prominent figures in the entire match the entire way through. That's something that has never really happened with Vince. Vince is pretty much always just one to have been lab rat bait, sacrificial lambs, whatever you want to call them. The other thing, too, is big heavy hitters. The kind of people that you would expect to have seen early, late in matches, you know, in the 20s, were coming out. In the teens, they were coming out in the ten, the uh, the tens, and you're like, why are they coming out so early? Well, it was because Trips wanted to put the goofy stuff toward the back and put the actual contenders in the front so that they could last in there a while and draw your attention to what was going on in the ring. Unlike the other version, where it's like, let's wait and put the actual contenders in at 25, 26, 27, where everybody just knows that they only have to be in there for like ten minutes to get the job done. Um. The men's rumble being first did not surprise me simply because I think that was their way of A, clearing time for the Bloodline storyline at the end, and B, letting the folks know that the thing that they were dying for was not going to happen and giving them the rest of the night to be okay with that, which I would much prefer that than waiting to the end of the night like we did at Survivor Series and then just getting disappointed. Uh, I think they had said that uh, Sammy wasn't going to be in the rumble, but... That is a good point that you put the rumble first. Everybody sees by everybody sees he's not in the rumble. We have no there's nothing to indicate that uh Sammy's going to be a thing in the rumble and people can accept what you're giving them, which is what you pretty much said since, you know, Cody was signed. He's winning the rumble to go on to WrestleMania. So and yeah, people got time to digest it, accept it, and I think people generally like Cody, so I think it was a result they could live with. 
I agree. It's just um, I prefer that to waiting to the very end. Uh, yeah, we. Um, I know we're gonna go through the whole thing, and I think we should save the 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 big main the big angle of the show for for the end. But uh, I just didn't want to get I, to. A, I just didn't want to get to a place where people just kept waiting for Dwayne to show up the entire night. And see, and when I said it, that's what I was kind of alluding to when I was talking about the the room being on first. Once I like once I saw the men were going on first, I'm like, oh, so the Rock is probably not gonna. There's no no way, no. I didn't think he was gonna be it anyway. It seemed pretty definitive that he wasn't going to be in it. But I was like, this is wrestling. There's always a chance they you know they could be working us. But putting it on first, I'm like, there's no way. They have the rock come out. The, the rock. No, because that overshadows everything for the rest of the night. Exactly. Exactly. That has to be the last thing. So I'm like, okay, so we can we can throw out all the potential distractions in the men's rumble, putting it on first. You got rid of them all up top, which I'm fine with, and I preferred to the lingering and anxiety of what could be for the rest of the night. Right. Um, so let's start with the men's rumble. Um, what was your favorite entry? What was your favorite spot? And were you okay with the way they booked the ending? Um, none of the entries like really stood out to me because I'm I'm trying to recall them all right now. They were all pretty standard. Oh, I'll give this out the way. Ramp too long, too goddamn long. Uh, we're lucky we're dealing with the younger, spryer people that are that will be in this and not say, oh, the Undertaker that uh would have taken 15 minutes to get down there if if. If the actual you have to get in before the next person gets in before you or your eliminated rule actually was a thing with that long ramp, these old dudes would never make it. But uh, no entrance, no, no entrance really stuck out to me. It was nice seeing uh, Booker T out there, uh, even though, you know, you can clearly tell mobility issues. But he was like the one old guy in there. He came in. Yeah, he came in. I think he threw somebody out, did a spinner rune and got out of there. Cool. Good to see you. Um, my favorite spot. I mean, I don't know if it's my favorite spot, but it's the one that everybody thinks of because it was I, it looks cool. But logistically, it's like really, really dumb. The Logan Paul ricochet spot, because it's basically them just throwing themselves into each other. But it looks cool. The collision was cool. The sound was cool. But I'm working my logic. out. I'm like, why would either one of you do this? But. That's going to be a spot that lives on in infamy now. Uh, and booking the ending, I didn't love Cody being thirty. Uh, I, you know, I putting him at twenty-seven at that point. Putting him at twenty-seven. Twenty-seven is a number that lots of people have won, and it still gives the illusion that there are people coming behind you, and that you know, it's not like you were just like a big gimme. But they did book it in a way where he actually, him and Gunther actually had like a little mini match. At the end, for like another, what? Which reminded seven me a to 10 lot. Minutes. Which reminded me a lot of, I believe it was 2006, Sean and Taker being the last two, and them going for like 10 to 15 minutes, and then, then you know, Taker winning. But it was, it was to me, that's what spawned the next two WrestleManias worth of matches between Taker and Sean was the fact that they saw mm-hmm. the chemistry that those two had in that moment, and that they could still go. Um, that was that was a, not a surprise to me, but it was a, a pleasant sight to see that they gave those two room to breathe um, for the last 15 minutes. And that Guthrie could still go after an hour of being in the match and still put on that kind of a show. Right. And I knew th- I knew there was another one like that where they end like the last two ended up having like a match. I just can't remember which one it was. I'm glad you knew. Uh, but That's so I'm here for chat. <laughs> so I. I think having that that part with Gunther actually kind of doesn't completely make up for thirty, but um, it does feel like Cody did have to like earn it otherwise outside of just showing up at the very end. Uh, so as long as people felt like he earned it and people people respect him and want to see him do well, I think uh, it was the right thing to do, and they booked it almost perfectly. So um, my favorite entry. Um, would have been Logan Paul because I'd forgotten that the man was recovering from such and such an injury. Um, and it was a surprise to see him. I'm glad we didn't get a lot of the legacy uh, injuries. I'm glad it was a lot of the NXT and normal roster folks. I'm glad that folks got a diversity of characters to see and get behind, and especially in the women's the women's Rumble. 
to learn about some folks they don't normally see every day, every week, to kind of suggest that they these are some folks you might want to look out for. Um, but I mean, for me, like spot of the night is a spot that a spot in the men's match that got botched so badly that they couldn't even fix it, and that would be Kofi. Uh-huh. Um, they were very easy and very quick to point out that Logan Paul did the highlight spot and then knocked himself unconscious and then woke up in time to be a part of the final four. They didn't know what the hell to do with the Kofi spot. I don't know what happened, but like it seems to me they were trying to aim for something like they've done before with him where like he hopped around on the chair in order to get back in the ring. But that doesn't make sense if Brock's the one coming behind you. They, they were very clear about Cody stay down for the next 20 minutes. And then Cody never showed back. I mean, uh, Kofi stayed down for the next 20 minutes and then Kofi never showed back up. So like his feet, his, both of his feet never touched, clearly never touched the ground. They made a point through the announcers to point out that his feet had not hit the ground. And then all of a sudden Brock Lesnar shows up and it never gets mentioned again and we never see Kofi. And so for me, that's the kind of spot of the night because it's like of all of the things this booking doesn't work for me like this why would you have done this this makes no sense so i missed the coffee spot live um i was I, I don't know what i was doing but my back was turned and then i turned back around and i saw uh i think i heard michael cole say something about kofi and i turned around and see kofi laying there with like one foot on the chair and and cole was specifically mentioning that you know kofi both feet hadn't touched yet is he still in there but yeah like you said they never mentioned it again um, they came back around when when Brock came in. You heard McAfee go straight up. Kofi stayed down for the next twenty minutes, and so I kept waiting the rest of the night for Kofi to pop back up, the way that they did with Logan Paul, and they never did. Um, there, I don't think they've had any reports since then. But I I know some of the shows I listened to right after were uh, wondering if Kofi might have like legitimately been hurt, where. You know, they just like, you know, forget it and let him let him go off. But um, listening to those shows is how how I knew what the spot was that he was trying to jump on that rolling chair. And immediately when they said that, I'm like, well, that was dumb because I saw Pat McAfee come out and try to stand on said rolling chair and almost die. Because until uh, uh, one of the ring hands held the chair for him to stand up straight. So once I knew that, I'm like, oh, this was dumb from the beginning. That chair was not reliable at all. This that spot had no chance of working. So um, it was a uh, a terrible idea. And now we're well, it, um, it's two bad. for two. It's bad placement in the match because that spot where he hops around on the chair to get back into the ring takes a hot minute. It's not something that's a simple thing to do. So you want somebody coming behind him who's kind of a throwaway where people are more concentrated on. Is he going to be? Is is Kofi going to be able to get back in the ring or not? Not concentrated on someone as huge as Brock Lesnar getting in the ring. I mean, I I didn't realize Brock came right after that. I mean, there is a world where Kofi lands on the chair, Brock Lesnar's music hits, and he just kind of you know bounces around until Brock is done because Brock wasn't in there very long. So then Kofi could have got in and you know continue for whatever it's worth. I don't I don't know. That was just my my interesting spot. And as far as the end goes. There was no easy way out. There was no shortcut home, and he and he did it. He did it right, and he did it the right way, and that's that's all good. By like you, you had a, a solid final four. You definitely had a solid final two. Gone through more than got over, and in that all that all works for me. And if they end up paying it off with Gunther versus uh, Gunther versus uh, Sheamus at Mania, I'm fine by that. So you're saying it's Gunther versus who at Mania? Seamus, finish the okay. trilogy. Uh, finish the trilogy. That's right. Shit. Have it. Have have Seamus go over finally and become the Grand Slam champion on the grandest stage of them all. But you can do that very clearly, as they showed Sunday night, Saturday night. You can do that without putting Gunner Gunther in a position of weakness. Right, and they they put him over strong by having him be part of the final two and having gone all the way f- uh, from pillar to post. So uh, they think highly of him. Uh, and I didn't even think about Sheamus, but that makes all the sense to Noro. He hasn't won the IC title yet, and he and Gunther seem to work well together. So yeah, that makes sense. Match of the year at uh, Chamber at uh, Clash of the Castle. So um, so let's move on to the next match on the card, which would have been 
the pitch black man. Your thoughts, sir, on neon being used in the WWE? I honestly didn't pay half attention to this match. Uh, I I watched them come out. I watched the beginning setup because I wanted to see what they were going to do since it's this dark gimmick match. And I saw the neon. I'm like, oh, this looks cool. Like Bray's face paint was cool. And LA Knight's gear under the black light was cool. Uh, and then they spilled neon stuff all over the place. And that was cool. But there was this is a nothing match. And all it did was make me concerned for the future of Bray Wyatt. Because, again, everybody likes, you know, all the things about him. But when the matches start, it's hard to work with. You know, the gimmick of Bray Wyatt, it, it, that gimmick works for everything until you get to wrestling. So I don't, I, they still haven't figured out the recipe when it comes to actual in-ring stuff. And that's going to limit him to how far he can go, because I can't imagine this Bray Wyatt facing off against Roman Reigns. And anybody that's in that same kind of echelon of seriousness, I, I don't think it, what he does meshes well with them. And there's probably a middle ground they can get to, but they haven't found a, a great way to do that yet with any of the last couple of incarnations of Bray Wyatt. The first thing I thought of when I saw this match was essentially I was in the building. I was in the building for WrestleMania 33. I was in the building for him versus Ro- uh, uh, Randy Orton for the WWE Championship where the things flashed on the mat and all the things. I think Bray Wyatt has very interesting presentation ideas that are very unique and different. Lord knows they had to keep cleaning up those neon, you know, pestilettes off the floor for the rest of the night. Um, he has interesting, different ideas, and his ring staging is very unique. I just don't think that it they know quite how to balance that with what would with what would typically be your traditional WWE thing. And also, I think Uncle Howdy is either Edge. Or it's Shane McMahon. And I'm personally at this point rooting for Shane McMahon. Because that just means Shane McMahon threw himself into a flaming pit of fire for all of our entertainment. Which brings me to great joy. Uncle Howdy is his brother. It's, 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 uh, it's Bo Dallas. They made it a family affair again. I, we can, we can stop debating on that one. Bo Dallas threw himself off, uh, off the thing. Missing L.A. Knight, by the way, in a, a terrible jump, an awful... Awful cam- camera shot and piss poor editing work. Because, uh, but okay, I, I I'll give the director credit. He knew what the shot was supposed to be. He couldn't have known that the dude was gonna miss by that much. But still, still, uh, everybody saw. Unless you were in the crowd, everybody saw that he completely whiffed on LA Knight. Uh, but yeah, they they have to figure out a way to make Bray work in the the ring. Uh, otherwise, this is like. It's really pointless. It's promos. At that point, it's just promos. And that and that's TV filler. And that's not what you need. Yeah, I mean, there's a place for it. But prom- you, you, if you're going to have one of the two, I mean, for, for WWE, promos are probably... I would, I, would, I would want to say promos first, but just looking at this, I'm like, no. If you can wrestle, you can, you can at least do some things. If you can only do promos... Eventually, you have to get in the ring and be interesting too. And I think Bray is. It's just that style is like that style is what the hold up, not him, not his charisma that comes across in the ring. It's not like say Elias, who has a gimmick that people generally like, but when he starts to wrestle, nobody cares. I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see where they go. I'm just glad they got all that Mountain Dew money. <laughs> I hope it. Well, I'm I'm sure it was worth it. I know it was. All right. So what did you think of Bianca's match against Alexa Bliss? <laughs> so I said I barely paid attention to the L.A. Knight match. Um, I went and took a shower for this one. Like, uh, because at that point, I thought the, uh, the they would do the championship match before the women's rumble. So I'm like, I need to take a shower. Where's a good that's place? That old, that's that old programming this- that. That's the old programming mean you were used to where you book in the night with rumble matches. Right. Right. So I was like, I, I'm, I want to see the main event. I don't have to see Bianca beat uh, Alexa, which is what happened. And from everything I heard, it went how I expected. You know, uh, it was clunky and 
there were some botches and Bianca bodied her and pinned her and got out of there. And then we got some, you know, Bray Wyatt foolishness. I understand that. Uh, I just, if I had to choose between that and getting, getting clean, I chose getting clean. So that should tell you what I thought, thought about it going in. So here's my thing. There are women and men for that matter who don't work well together. Like you put them in the ring and there might be good friends outside the ring. There might be good personalities on TV, but for whatever reason, their in-ring chemistry just isn't there. And I think that we've proven now that enough times that Alexa and and um, uh, that that Alexa and um, Bianca don't have that chemistry. They don't work well together. Their styles don't complement each other in a good way. They're not good dance partners, and that's no one's fault. It's just they need an opponent for her. They had to get through the rumble to get to where they want to get to with that story. And so they were like, this will work for what we need. And they did it. And no one cared. Yeah. So, I I mean, I'm glad I'm glad this is over. Uh, I like Alexa. I'm iffy on this whole going back to Bray thing. Uh, if it's not as in-depth as it was last time, maybe it, it'll be something. But I'm, I'm still skeptical. Uh, and I just want uh, Bianca to have like you know, good opponents to have good matches. And I don't know who's going to be up next, uh, especially after uh, what the events of Raw that just happened. The thing is, like, for me, Alexa and Bray is a thing because Alexa loved working with Bray the first time. It brought out some creative, different things, and she got really over with the whole um, doll gimmick back, you know, about a year and a half, two years ago. Like, and honestly, there's a part of me that kind of feels like Alexa is on cruise control. Like she's here and she enjoys doing this and she enjoys certain aspects of it, but that her heart isn't really in it. I feel like she enjoys being more of just like the married, supportive, famous housewife and that her heart really isn't in this. And she's using the Bray Wyatt thing as a reason to be creatively inspired. And so I think that's why they're going that way. I just don't know to what end. Like, what does it benefit to have a female member of that faction where most of the people in the faction wear masks? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's kind of my deal is like, I feel like, like Alexa is a really good in-ring worker. And I feel like Alexa has really good chemistry with a number of the women on the roster, but I feel like she doesn't quite have that zeal and the desire right now, which is fine. Everybody hits that point, but I feel like this is the thing that inspires her. And it's the thing that inspires Bray clearly. And I don't think they know how to channel that, really. Yeah, I can. I don't. I don't want to speculate on what Alexa, Alexa feels, but it kind of. It kind of looks that way. It's like I don't know. Like, like she. It's not like she's not trying. It's just like you know. It's it's a little different, and I get that. I mean, and and that's okay. Like, it doesn't have. You don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to be at a main event level all the time. It's just like. There are certain pe- certain people don't work dan- aren't good dance partners with each other, and it just doesn't seem to me like her and Bianca, especially considering that you know her and Bianca had that whole feud with the Damage Control earlier in the fall after SummerSlam to, to be- while Becky was on the shelf, and they were a team for a hot minute, which worked better than them being opponents. Like it, it just sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes you just put two people in a match because you need a match. Because the women's title wasn't defended on... The SmackDown women's title wasn't defended on Saturday. And you only had a five-match card. So you were trying to throw together enough shower breaks or bathroom breaks in there in between so that the crowd didn't stay, didn't run out of steam for, for what was coming toward the toward down the pipe. Yeah, I mean, there's your, your candidates for um, bathroom break were always going to be the break match. And the Alexa match. The only other singles match you had was um, was Roman and uh, Kevin Owens. People are going to ditch you for that. And then it's just the two Rumble matches. So yeah, you have you have to have like like when we talk about the movies, I always talk about Marvel being high, but you have to take people back low. You can't keep them high the whole time. You burn them out. A wrestling show has to have that. They're going to be matches. Best that example of are. that being best example of that being AJ Lee. In the women's championship match, immediately following Taker losing to Brock at WrestleMania 30. 
Yeah, it, they call it the death spot for a reason. It that, sucks. that was that it was the, the, that was the death spot of death spots. That was like yeah. you know coming into into Yivin, uh, coming into Alderaan after the Death Star had just blown through. You know, <laughs> just not much there to work with. No, but that was also bad booking because the Undertaker shouldn't have lost. But that's neither here. Taker decided that he wanted Brock to have the nod. That's that's on Taker at that point. His wife tried. And Vince should know. Credit, credit to his wife. His wife tried to talk him out of it. Well, somebody's smart. But I mean, I just get. I just hope that whatever they end up doing for the women's champion, the Raw Women's Championship at Mania, ends up being better because I don't think that's where the Rumble winner is going. Yeah. Mm. The story isn't her and Bianca. The story is her. The story isn't her and Bianca. The story is her and Charlotte. Uh, wait, which one? Uh, Bianca and Charlotte? No, the 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 story the story for Mania is supposed to be Char- should be at this point in my mind Rhea versus Charlotte. Uh, have you watched Raw? I have not in a hot minute. Okay, I won't say a word. No, like enlighten me, sir. Enlighten me. Okay, well, um, we ha- we only have well we have two matches set for well I guess two matches set for WrestleMania. Cody came out and declared. You know, I mean, there's nothing to declare. It's Roman. That's the only thing he can declare. But uh. Rhea came out and said she had a choice. And instead of them stringing along for weeks, she was like, I want Charlotte. And that was it. So it is Rhea and Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, you know why? Because they had a they had a match together in a COVID arena where there were no people at a WrestleMania that was in the middle of the worst of the COVID times. And after that match was over, she was sent back to the UK and then back to Australia for a period of time. And when they were able, oh yeah, I forgot that. And when they were able, when they were able to bring her back, she went from being this blonde, beautiful, blue-eyed, you know, picturesque what you normally think of as a WWE woman, and they repackaged her as this dominatrix. And her her run as Rhea Ripley with the leather and all that, which culminated with another champ with a WWE championship run. Right? She went to WrestleMania, she won the championship, yada yada the following year. But again, COVID times. And so the story is they never really wrestled where people saw. And she wants that opportunity because it was the match with Charlotte, which gave her the feeling that she de- she belonged and she deserved as women's cha- NXT women's champion to be able to move up and to lead and to have that opportunity. So, yeah, it, it, it the natural place to go is Rhea versus Charlotte, just like the na- like you said, Cody. There's no choice there, but the natural choice is Rhea versus Cody. I just don't know what the hell you do for Bianca because Bianca is going to come up on 365 days as champion, and then outside of Bailey, there's no one I can really think of that makes sense. And we've already seen Bailey, um, but uh, actually, uh, before we go to that, yeah, Rhea pretty much said everything you just said, minus the you know empty COVID and stuff. But she did say that she came up against Charlotte, she lost, uh, blah blah blah. But that's basically the story and I'm glad she said it because I forgot a lot of those things like I knew when she came back and joined the roster like legit I've only because I didn't watch NXT I've only known her as the the like quote unquote dominatrix version of Rhea I saw her in that Wrestlemania before with Charlotte when she was just uh more than what the traditional Rhea was but I completely forgot about all that uh so I'm glad she said it and I'm glad you gave a little bit more depth with the COVID stuff. So, like, it gave me a time frame. But, uh, yeah, that's the story they're running with. So, you know, again, chalk is good sometimes. And I'd prefer that over trying to package her with with uh, with Bianca in a match that doesn't have that kind of heat or that kind of history to it. See, I originally I thought Bianca, because all the stuff I did remember about Rhea coming up, uh, basically, you know, that the, the rumble that... Um, Bianca won. It, it came down to Her. Rhea and Bianca. I was and when there. It came yeah. down to those two. Yeah, and, and when it when it came down to those two, I was like, okay, it could go either to either one because these are two of your younger stars, and you can make a star either way. And they both went on to. I think they both went on to win at that that WrestleMania. They, they both, both went on to compete. Off of the, yeah, yeah. Because um, you have to remember that they, that WrestleMania in Houston at Minute Maid was. Literally two weeks before COVID changed the world. Hey, right. I forget it was like that one. 
Um, to the point where they had a Saudi show after that, and all the folks in Saudi Arabia were already wearing masks. Yeah, because you know we were late to the party, but I'm not going to get into that. But I thought you could. I I thought there was enough natural stuff with Bianca that you could have done. There it, was some NXT and stuff. You could have, there was certainly some NXT stuff you could have pulled to make it work. But like, yeah, uh, the, the bigger and I could, I would have enjoyed that match. But yeah, I think hearing all that, I think Charlotte's a logical choice. Yeah, and and the same thing. We're going to come down here to like. They were talking about Logan Paul. Logan needs somebody who he can rehearse with multiple times. If that's the case, can't do it with Cena. And Logan Paul versus John Cena is not really a match I want to see anyway. Logan Paul versus uh, Seth Rollins works better for me because Seth Seth can really dig his heel, dig his teeth into that that story and really kind of take on a a, a good angle on that. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Seth and Logan is a, a better mix and. I think that is where they're going. They they hinted at that tonight, but they did well, they, not write they, they it. I think that's that, yeah. They hinted at that at Mania with him eliminating Rumble. So like, right? Yeah, the Rumble. Yeah, yeah. They they set that kind of stuff up the same thing, same way they you know they they've been setting up uh, Cena and Theory with Theory talking you know Theory talking all his crap. Like they, they've been right. seeding and setting up things. Um, but that's what the Rumble does when the Rumble is at its best and when this. When wrestling is at its best, it sets stuff up in the Rumble that will lead you down the road to WrestleMania. And we got that in spades, I thought, Saturday. Right. So your thoughts on the Women's Rumble, um, the way it was booked, and and your favorite entry, and, uh, you know, about that ending, which made me cry because I'm like, lives right there, man. <laughs> right there. Money in the Bank and Royal Rumble winner in the same year. That's never happened on either side. Uh, I will say, you know, I know Liv has gotten some negative pushback from her title run, but the fact that they got her in there and one as the final two says that you know they still not only the see final two, in her? not only the final two, but the yeah. first two. The first two went the right, entire right. distance. Right. That that yeah, I forgot that she was in there with Rhea. Uh, yeah. So it it so for you Liv fans, I don't think you should. Like really hang your head. It it does say it does show um some support for her. Uh as for the match itself, I guess, you know, my favorite entrance is going to be uh one of my favorite wrestlers, and that is Asuka returning as this new new old version of Asuka. Uh I forget the name that the 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 name that people that are familiar with her work from before WWE know this version of Asuka. I forget the name they have for her. But uh, it seems I, like she's. I just well, I just call it the Funaki version. <laughs> it's it's not that because she's supposed to be like she's weirder, and Oscar was already kind of weird. But like she's weirder in like a more, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm gonna say edgy is the best word, but she's clearly still a face. But her tactics are gonna be a little, you know, blurry, and the stuff like she did tonight is just. Playing weird, but I love Oscar. So seeing Oscar come back and then knowing that this is a different version and seeing and the possibilities, hopefully that opens up for her so she can do some new things that, that feel fresh because she I mean, she they have not known how to use there. her for five years. I wouldn't say five years. I would say it's been like the last uh, three. When there was no reason. There her. was no reason to put Charlotte over her five years ago. <laughs> Wait, OK, you might actually be right, because I don't. You know, time is a flat circle. I don't remember how long things, how long ago things were. Um, she won the very first Women's Royal Rumble in 2018, Chad. Okay, so that's what. And she lost at Mania. She lost at Mania in New Orleans to that's Charlotte. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah and she was yeah. undefeated at that point in WWE. You're you are absolutely correct. Yes, uh, because they booked her right all the way up until then. Yes, she should have beat Charlotte. Um, they got her back on track a little bit after that, which is what's. Uh, got me a little fuzzy because they did make. Well, they did that. They that, did that match in December of nineteen. I want to say where she went over Becky and Charlotte in a ladder match, and she got a championship run out of it. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking though, because in that run she uh, uh, she was undefeated in that run, and nobody could. And they they built her where nobody could really touch her. But then once she lost, you know, half of the luster of those kind of runs is that you don't lose. So when you do lose. It's what they do with you afterwards. And it went back to 
what she was before, like at, right after the Charlotte loss. So hopefully this will, you know, reunite her and, and they can do some interesting things with her because I think Oscar is awesome and I love everything that she does. So she was my favorite entrant. Um, I don't really have a favorite spot because I can't really think of anything. I know they tried to make a spot with uh, with uh, Rhea and, and Nia Jax with her doing the the um, Riptide. Uh, it worked for what it was, but it wasn't very good. And all well, the stuff nothing, with Nia was like... Nothing Nia touches is really good. Nia doesn't really know how to work, and they don't know how to make Nia work. And to the point where that is the shortest stint I can remember a number 30 ever spending in any Rumble. Men's or women's. Like, when I saw the ring staying full, I figured they were keeping it full to have somebody clean it, come in and clean house at the end. And I didn't, and I figured that might be Rhonda. But when it comes out and it's Nia and they don't clean house, they just have her thrown out by everybody else, Omos style or Mark Henry style or Viscera style. Um, that was kind of disappointing to me. My favorite, my favorite entry would have been Michelle McCool, Taker's wife. Just chilling, sitting on the sidelines, and then just like, oh, that's my entrance music? I guess I'll jump in now. And not just jumping in and getting eliminated right away, like putting in the work for like 15, 20 minutes. Like, she went, and she eliminated some folks. So like, I'm good with that. Uh, That was, so it was definitely an interesting entrance. Um, As soon as, like, I again, I don't know when they showed her in the crowd. So I didn't know she was there. But they showed her in between the uh, in between the live match and the Bray match. Okay, so yeah, that would been while I was taking a shower, so that's why I missed her. I know, like the day before, no, no further than like two days before, uh, I did see like an article where somebody asked her if she's going to be in the uh, the the Royal Rumble, and she said no, she wasn't going to be in the Royal Rumble. So that stuck with me. And then when her music played. Again, I didn't know she was in the crowd, so I'm like, oh, she just straight up lied to everybody. And then the announcer started saying, but she's in the crowd. Why are they playing her music? And they cut her in the crowd. I'm like, oh, okay, so they're doing it this way. She still lied to me, but uh, they're making it seem like she actually didn't know she was in the Rory Rumble. But but again, she was the only old school person. For the most part, it was NXT people and current main (sighs) roster people, which works for me. And again, with this Rumble, the same as the men's Rumble, you brought your heavy hitters. You brought your Baileys. You brought your Beckys. You brought your Ronda, your Rias. You brought your Livs. You brought them out early, within the first 10, 15 people, uh, first 15 spots. And then those people worked all the way up to the very end. So, like, I much prefer that style of Rumble booking to, you know, getting the Kai and ties in the first 10 minutes and then waiting until 25 to see John Cena. Yeah. Um... So, so you want to keep it at like one old dude or one old person? Like, uh, yeah, that uh, that's rumble? fine. When you end up with like seven of them showing up, especially in the women's rumble, you have a stacked enough ro- a stacked enough roster now on NXT and with WWE UK that you can legitimately pull enough people to make a thirty woman rumble work without. Going and knocking on Trish Stratus's door and offering her a whole set of money. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to go hunting people down. In the uh, beginning, especially yeah. Those sort of- in, in the beginning, yeah. In the first couple of years, where this is a new thing and your roster depth isn't huge, yeah, sure. Go, go, give Trish a whole bunch of money to be number thirty. That's fine. But like now, with the talent depth of talent you have on the main roster that you've already called up from NXT, the number of women that you refilled NXT with and the WWE international pool that you have, like you have enough women that are young and active and interesting. Hell, you had Rhea going out of her way at the press conference after the, after the the show was over, praising NXT and all the women that got to show up tonight, uh, Saturday night. So like, yeah, if you want to throw an occasional, like, you know, Kayentai in there, sure. But like, it doesn't need to be the overwhelming focus of the rumble. And I like, again, I love the idea of putting your best, well, some of your best people, the people that people think are favorites, and putting them in early so that they work and you find yourself doubting. Because when Rhea walked out there at number one, people were like, why are they doing this? 
This makes no sense. Like, she doesn't need to go wire to wire. Like, she's got enough street cred. She could come in at, like, 25. She's been in the final four the la- three of the last five years. Like, she she's worthy of this. And so it starts to put that doubt in your head because you know how these things are booked, logically. You, you've seen for 30 years how these things are book, booked. And then so it puts in your doubt, doubt in your mind when you see Bailey come out in number nine or you see... Uh, you, you see uh, Becky come out at 13 and you're like, this is too early because you're pre-programmed, you're preconditioned to, you know, the thoughts that, that your big megastars, your winners come from the 20s, late 20s on. And so, you know, that changing this year really is something that I enjoyed. Yeah, I think particularly for this year with the women's match, um, putting Rhea at number one was the only way to really sow any doubt. Because it was there were I know I know you how you feel about Liv, but to me, there really wasn't anyone else that was in a position to go on to be to main event run WrestleMania besides Rhea. So to me, Rhea's the was the only choice to win. And the only way you make me doubt that is by putting her in the first two. So uh I don't I think it's something they should do sparingly because um Wow. What, what's a stronger Gunther didn't win? What's a stronger start to a men's rumble than Gunther and and Sheamus, two people who have had one of the five star matches of the year last year, two men who know each other very very well, and two people that pe- that if you had money would have bet would have been in the final five, final eight, final four, then putting them at one and two. Liv is the money yeah, in the no, bank. No, no, Liv lives the money in the bank winner last year. Rhea is the hottest thing in wrestling. Like putting them at one and two makes you doubt that. Right. And, and that, that works for this year, but if you do it again next year, and this is a similar kind of thing where one and two go pillar post, it, you know, then it'll, it'll start to, it loses a little bit of that luster, which is why I don't and think people kind of, which is why I don't think he's like the old man. The old man got into a habit of booking rumbles the way he booked rumbles. We just talked about the fact that he were accustomed to one match opening the show and one match closing the show. And that's why this year was a bit of a throw-off. But because we have someone different running the show. Yeah. So, with that said, I don't think we'll see the same kind of thing. I think you can, you want to you want to have your heavy hitters, you want to have some heavy hitters, and you want to, it's about pacing it and how you structure the pace. So you want some of your heavy hitters in the, in the top half. You want them in the middle. You want them in the end. Um... But I don't think you want to get in the habit of having the ones that started actually make it all the way to the end. You might make them, they can make it through like, you know, 75% of the match. And I think people will buy that. But if you if you constantly have uh, whoever's one or two, and it doesn't matter which one, because one, or, one and two are effectively the same. They start at the exact same time. Uh, if you have them continue to go all the way to the end of the match, then people will be like, well, uh, is it really that we difficult? Know. Yeah, we, we know these two. We know one of the people that started the match is going to make it all the way to the end. That takes away from it being a feat. Because being being in the first two and making it all the way to the end and then winning, it should be seen as an impossible feat. Yeah, Rhea lasted exactly one hour, one minute, and three seconds. And Gunther lasted longer than anyone in any Rumble ever, including the Greatest Royal Rumble and the... Uh, in the 40 man rumble because of the length of that match, quote unquote, that they had at the end. So like there was, there was true history made Saturday night in a good way, but I agree. You can't overuse that, that trope because it then diminishes the, it diminishes the greatness of what Sean, what Ray Mysterio, who by the way injured, but they didn't do a beat down spot, which was silly to me. Um, but Rhea is done. I think it cheapens it. If you, See it done every three to five years. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that'll work. What did you like? That was some of the best booking I've seen in a while. Those three on the apron, like that—that that was really good storytelling. Oh, uh, it was. Oh yeah, it was three of them on the apron. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I remember the I remember the Rhea and uh, Lil spot. I forgot that Oscar was up there. I forgot Oscar was one of the last three. Your three, your, um, your, the three that you would have bet money would have been the favorites to win the match are all there at the end and they're all on the apron and they've all gone over the top 
and you literally have no idea which one of them is coming out on top in this scenario. Right. Yeah, and that is good booking because again, like I like I said, Rhea was the only one that made sense to win it. So, but realistically, if you're telling me Oscar, Oscar and Liv are there with Rhea, and then you put them literally all on the edge where any one of them could fall off at any moment, and, and this all could be over. It is good storytelling because they know they needed to create they they had to manufacture tension because Rhea was such an obvious favorite to win. So they had to keep manufacturing tension. And yes, the the the, the finish was uh perfect in that regard. Two other viable candidates, two other actual champ all three have been form, former champions. Uh a runner, uh, Rhea was a rumble runner up. Asuka won it. Uh, Liv was was money money in the bank bank last year. Yeah. So all all of them are viable candidates and you put them literally all, you know, a slip away from elimination. That is good booking to to get across the story you want to tell. I mean, and that's why I enjoyed the women's match more than the men's match, honestly, because the men's match was a long prelude to, to Cody's coronation I'm glad they gave me Gunther. I'm glad that they put Gunther in that position. If I'd have put money on anybody other than Cody, it would have been Gunther because I know how Treps feels about him as opposed to how Vince feels felt about him. Um, but the way that re- the way that they built the tension in that women's match was something something really special and really and, and really great, and I I truly appreciated it. So let's move on to the gang initiation. Because we're just not going to talk about old old country boy who had a concert that no one no one wanted to see. Man, wait, no, no, wait, wait, wait. Okay, I, I I was in the room when it started, and I sat there and I listened to it for like a minute, and I'm like, man, this like not that I don't like it. This just sucks. Like he sounds bad. The song's not good. Nothing about this is any good. So then I walked off because I'm like, this is this is garbage. But but it's a death spot. Good way to bring the crowd down. Yeah, and that was the point of it, and that's why you did it. But at the same time, you signed this dude to a contract because he's from San Antonio. He's from the Texas, the Laredo, Texas area. So, like, you were just putting out the homeboy country star to basically put on a five-minute, five-ten-minute concert so that the crowd doesn't, you know, throw their furniture into the ring and burn it to the ground the way they did after Taker lost to uh, Brock. <laughs> It's been almost 10 years. I'm still bitter about that one. (laughs) But yeah, he was just uh, got off. But anyway, we can we can move on to the seen I've seen country singers at the Texas Club who are better than that. And I believe you. Um, So let's talk about the main event. Let's talk about the way they booked it. Let's talk about the ending and the way that they put Roman over. And then let's talk about the the post credit sting and the uh, the (laughs) the, uh, you know, the gang initiation. I'm sorry. I would never have lived, thought I'd live long enough to see the face of WWE hand a steel chair to a dude and say, pull the trigger. <laughs> uh, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part. But so the, the match itself, uh, I mean, the, honestly, the angle at the end is so good and, and so memorable. I don't remember a whole lot of things about the match up until um, like... The the you know once we get the standard ref bump you, you get uh, Kevin Owens getting a visual pinfall on Roman but then after that Roman proceeds to like beat the ever living crap out of him um, the 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 throws against the steps made me cringe because I mean I know Kevin Owens is holding his head I know he's like overall fine but it's like visually they picked the they picked the right physical act. To visually get across that Roman is at this point being a he's a sadistic uh, son of a bitch. That that that's kind of that's kind of what it is. It's what it's to, how they used it's how they started using the sledgehammer for Triple H. Yes, yes, it, it was to really get across that he is a vile human being, and it has to be. So they picked that and it worked, and they did it right in front of Sammy, and it's because to me that that act is what leads to the chairs because up until that point even at that point sammy wants roman to win sammy is still wants to be part of the bloodline he still wants to be included with them but when he sees roman do that it's like okay 
Roman can do that, but it's a bit too far, and I'm not comfortable with that. So it, it's like he drew his own like moral line in the sand. It's like, I'm not doing that. I understand Roman's doing it, but I don't think he should be doing it. And that leads to, you know, the end of the match. So from from the rough bump on, I, it's a memorable match, and it and it goes out of it. It doesn't go out of his way. It does the proper things to still tell the story, to lead us to where we're about to go. So the match isn't, to me, as good as the one they had at the Rumble two years ago in COVID. That was that was ended with the handcuffs and the botched handcuff spot in the last man standing match. Oh, yeah. Um, but that match, to me, was a better match than this. Because, but, I'd agree. But that's because it's about... That match is about Owens and Z- Owens and, Ro- and Roman. This match was not about Owens and Roman. This was a match was about Owens, Roman, and Zayn. And the final test and all of that. That's what this match was about. And the match, as you said, is very nondescript. It's very by the book, especially when you get to the point um, of the ref bump. Um, but I think the moral imperative, the lock the line crossing uh, with the steps spot was something that was important. And I really think they did it well. Um, I love the line that he throws in in the middle of the match about, I, but you told me not to do anything. I'm telling you to get a fucking chair. Um, you know, I thought that was a well-placed line. I, I just, it felt long. You know, you know how the, they, we, we've talked about false finishes. Like, Avatar has three false finishes. And it's, <laughs> at some point you're just like, can we at least end the movie now? And it's equal parts. Saturday night it was equal parts uncomfortable because again you have your face of WWE as the gang leader telling the new initiate to pull the trigger with a dude who's handcuffed to the ropes. You know that's that's a pretty visceral image for TVPG WWE, um, and it just seemed to take forever to get to that moment where Sammy finally commits the act. And then once Sammy commits the act, he doesn't get rewarded for it. He gets destroyed for it. You know, it, there, there's no reward for him. There's no overcoming the Roman odds. It's he is put down in his place. And, you know, that that was also, I think, to me, kind of a disappointment. Well, that, uh, that Sammy got destroyed? Yeah, because it's not like you're not going to have the overcome the odds moment that everybody on the Internet wants right now, which is Sammy Zayn being the one to end Roman's reign of terror. That's not going to happen. The 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 closest thing you're going to get is the Uso brother that left with Sammy, them teaming up together to face uh the other two reigning tag team members of the bloodline to basically challenge for the tag team titles at Elimination Chamber or WrestleMania and beat the bloodline and take the title the tag titles away. And then Cody takes the championship away, and then Roman's got nothing left. He's got no family. He's got no titles. He's got no bloodline. That's that's where you're heading. But, like, you're not going to get that overwhelming moment of joy of Sammy being the one to cost him. So if you're not going to do that, let Sammy be the one to cost him here. Like, give Sammy some benefit for making the turn, the, the turn and choosing the right path instead of just beating him down and his sacrifice being enough to make somebody else decide that this is too much and to turn away. You know, see what I'm saying? Like, you need a payoff for Sammy making that choice instead of Sammy making that choice causing someone else to make a choice. Well, if this was the if this were the end of the story, I would agree. But I think this is in some ways, I think this is like the beginning of the story. I mean, I do agree that the end point would be the complete destruction of the bloodline and everything that they hold, which means all the titles. But that's a that's a longer story that you this whole thing has turned into a very long form story, which we know trip so, flops. Right, and I mean it's amazing. It's it's some of the best work they've done. So yes, what's not to love? Uh, but you don't give Sammy his moment here uh, because I think he will end up being the one to cause Roman. I think he will be the one that costs Roman his title. I think he will be the I think he'll be the one that costs Roman the tag titles. He'll be the one that costs Roman his titles. And I think he'll be the one that costs Roman, like officially costs Roman to lose the bloodline. But you can't do all that here. That has to be taken over time. Um so and coming into coming into the rumble, 
while Roman has Roman is like you know widely accepted as the top heel in the company. People don't boo. People didn't boo Roman because of he has titles because he comes around so spir- per, uh, sporadically and he feels special. Roman is Roman was coming off as a face like the top face. He was cool. People liked seeing him show up. He wasn't doing anything too dastardly, so people wouldn't get behind. So you needed this moment to be like, no, Roman's an asshole. And you have to be reminded of that. And the best way to do it, I mean, killing Kevin Owens the way they did. Yeah, that was pretty despicable. But the FU chance didn't start until Roman, until they cut down Sammy. They had to cut down Sammy because every, wow, Sammy, Sammy's in the bloodline. He's a heel like the rest of them. Sammy was over with everyone. Sammy got tremendous. Sammy got the biggest pop of the night when he cracked Roman with the chair. That moment, he was the biggest face. You get the face can't win in that situation, and he and he knew it. The way they played it, like Sammy knew it. He hit Roman. He knew what was coming. He knew the odds. So it's a he sacrificed himself to save Kevin. Granted, he let Kevin get destroyed a little bit first, but he did it to save save Kevin. And now he has to be taken down and his his the from from that he rises up and takes down the bloodline. But in doing so, what I really love it was the J factor. Because I didn't think I didn't think Jay would walk away from the bloodline. I knew when it happened that Jimmy had to be the first one to throw a blow because through this whole thing, Jimmy has been the one that rode with Sammy the whole way. He even told Roman like I like Sammy. I like Sammy a lot, but this is my family. So I'm going to do what I got to do for my family. But he still rolled with Sammy. So him being the first one to go on, on, on Sammy, it meant something. And in everything they had done with Jay, you would still think he would join in with the family and for him not, and then walk away. And I think like on his social media post, he has now said like he's done with the bloodline. Now you've added that extra thing that I didn't even see coming. So I get People that want wanted Sammy to have like a moment last night, his moment was getting destroyed. Because if they do it right from that moment, you get better moments with Sammy destroying the bloodline. The whole now, the whole wrench in all this is, yeah, you would think being at the Royal Rumble, Sammy challenging and destroying Roman at WrestleMania is like the the culmination of all this, but that's not what's gonna happen. So I don't know how they twine, like stitch all those things together to make a satisfying, um, to keep the story going in a satisfying way. Because I don't think it ends in WrestleMania, but you have to stitch WrestleMania into it. And then it's a point of how long do they go to do all these things? I don't want Roman going past Mania with both belts. Um, I am pretty sure that he is not. Uh, I. So, you know, months ago, there were there was the rumors that Roman would, would wrestle be on twice. both nights. Yeah, right. And then there'd be a, a belt apiece uh, from everything I've heard recently. That's not the case. No, they Roman's him, wrestling once. They consider him for the last year. They've considered them. Uh, they've, they've considered them to be unified, a unified belt. Right. And, and I hope they I hope they stick with that because I like I personally like that. Um, and so I he's going to wrestle once. It's going to be Cody Rhodes. I think it'll be a singles match, and I think Cody lo- I think Cody wins the titles. He fulfills his dream. So, with that being said, um, I uh, I do think Sammy plays a part in that match, and Sammy plays a part in Roman losing the titles. Um, but at now, but at that point, it's like, well, then how that has to lead. The inevitable conclusion is Sammy versus Roman, um, and if Roman doesn't have the belts, then Sammy can win that. But when do you do that? The next big show of SummerSlam, how do you stretch that out from Sammy costing him the titles at Mania to SummerSlam? Especially when you I don't, a, that, that's just if I don't especially know. when you have a pay-per-view four weeks later, three weeks later called WrestleMania Backlash. Right, right. Well, I mean at that well for that one that's easy. It's a it's a rematch with Cody. And maybe Sammy does it again. I don't know. I don't know, it'd be interesting to see because my thought would be that that would be the time for Roman to go away. Um, for Roman to take a hiatus for four months and come back at SummerSlam. But we'll see. I mean, I just, I don't know how you get there, is what I'm saying. I don't know how you yeah. 
Because logically, without it being Roman versus Sammy, logically, Sammy cost him the match against against Cody. And then that's the end, like, that's the end of it. Roman walks away. Um, he comes back to get his revenge at some point against Sammy, the way that he came back to get his revenge on Drew and, and, uh, Brock the last time he left for a little while. Um, you know, he has a tendency to have a long memory, those kind of things. But I don't see where you, like, I don't see how you stitch that together to get to Sammy versus Roman at SummerSlam. I think you would, that would come further down the line. I just, I just don't know how you get there. Yeah, like your your thought of you know Roman going away. Um, I don't think I don't th- if he went away after WrestleMania Black Backlash. When Roman goes away, and if he goes away for an extended period of time, which you know is completely you know feasible uh, within the realm of possibilities, there I it's gonna be like every other time when somebody goes away for a long period of time, they come back as a face. And this whole thing with Roman being Roman the head didn't of the come table back as a face. Roman beat the shit out of no, no. both uh, out of both Drew and and uh, Brock that night. Yeah, I, I know. Well, that was when they, you know, he came. Well, yes, he came back and he became a heel that night. I'm saying in your scenario where he would leave after WrestleMania backlash when he comes back, unless they again have him come out there and murder somebody. He when he steps foot back, he will be a face. This whole heel run has been to turn him into a monster face. And I think they will succeed whenever they pull the trigger on it. And a brief hiatus, uh, an extended hiatus is the perfect time to do that thing. But if that's the case, the whole thing with Sammy has to be resolved before then, which I don't think happens at WrestleMania Backlash. And see, I don't, I don't um, think that Sammy ever pays a price, at least not for a while. He has a long memory. You can bring this back around next year at Mania season if you so choose. Yeah, it'll cool down. You'll miss the hotness of the yes movement type energy that you've got right now. But, like, it just sets up and makes all the sense in the world for Sammy to cost him at Mania, Roman to lose the rematch at WrestleMania Backlash, and then Roman to shrug his shoulders and walk away, and then come back at a certain point as a monster face. Uh, See, I think Vince will let it die and cool off. I think... And I could be wrong because Triple H does have, you know, his own proclivities and whatnot. I think that you're never going to get it as hot as it is right now. I mean, if they if they can manage to do that and factor in Cody, more power to him. But I don't think you get it hotter than it is right well, now. I mean, but I remember, think you, the Yes movement was very hot and they managed to figure out a way to get Brian into that main event after being scolded. Well, yeah. That, well, that's because the uh, the fans pretty much forced him into it. So they were like, fine, here. And they did it. I I don't. There's not that same kind of um, resistance to this as it was to that. Like the fans took them kicking and screaming to Brian. This is a this is a plan and organic thing that is going on, and it helps that um, the key the key people behind it are Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns themselves, and they have all the stroke. So nobody's going to. Nobody's going to tell them no. They 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 really have the power right now. So I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated to see how they they spin all these plates and if they can keep them all spinning. It'll it'll definitely be interesting. So as of right now, what is your most anticipated match for Mania outside of the main event? Uh, I don't. I mean, the only I guess Seth Paul, Seth Rollins and Logan Paul because we know that one's happening. Uh, I'm intrigued by the potential of Austin Theory and John Cena, uh, just partially because uh, in the last, what, five to six some odd years, John Cena hasn't had the greatest track record at WrestleMania. So, you know, adding another L to that, it, it's going to be something. Uh, but yeah, that I, I need to see what's more on this card. I'm not thrilled about Lesnar, Lashley, and I, I don't know who who is doing what Bailey else. Bailey so. versus Becky is my most and most looking forward to match. Um, Becky versus Bailey. Oh, I don't think you're getting that one. Yeah, I, and I think they're they're going to blow that off next week. No, see, see, I I think they're going to run that to Mania because because you don't set that up in the Rumble match and do the whole thing that they did tonight and they did last Monday night without leading somewhere. And we don't know what's going on with the Elimination Chamber. We. We assume that there's going to be a women's, a raw women's um, 
chamber match to determine who the number one contender is because you can't really have an elimination chamber match uh, pay-per-view without an elimination chamber match and we know that the men don't need one and we know that the smackdown women don't need one so the only the only logical thing is to have a women's number one contenders match um well i mean the there there is going to be a men's chamber for the u.s title uh there is going to be a women's chamber i don't know if it's for the number one spot or if it's for uh for the actual title um be i just on twitter it came up bianca talking about elimination chamber i didn't listen to it so i don't know which one it is but there is a women's elimination chamber and they had qualifying matches for the um for the u.s title match it looks like they're going to be there's, there's probably going to be as many as four because I think SmackDown is having an elimination chamber for the IC title. I know for sure Raw is having one for the U.S. title. There's well, the, either the, a, uh, a Raw. Trips has made it very clear that the U.S. and Intercontinental Championships are important titles in his view. And making and competing competing for them on the road to WrestleMania in chamber matches would say that. Yes, and... Yeah, he he's he's handling it like I've always said they should handle those two. You make those two the the show belts. They are the top belts of the show, and you have your one undisputed heavy WWE champion, and he can go to either show he wants, and he has his own things going on. But your your work title are those two titles, and he's treating it that way, and I, that's why I don't want them to split those other belts because. It makes it makes the world champion more special, and it, it actually makes all three of them more special because the world champion doesn't have to be on both shows. When he shows up on a sh- on either show, it's more special. And those other two belts are now important because you have main eventers like Seth Rollins, like Bobby Lashley, vying for this title all the time. It makes it feel important. Indeed. Well, that all about do it for this week's episode of the Movies in the Brain podcast, focusing on wrestling. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at BCW Tiger Fan. And I'm at The Mets Theory. Thank you very much. And we'll be back to talking movies again next time.